Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Russell Henneberry. He is a digital marketing consultant, speaker, and co-author of Digital Marketing for Dummies. He's the founder of The Click, an email newsletter about digital marketing. Russ also consults and trains employees of companies through his digital advisor program. So, Russ, thanks and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. So honor. do you go by Russell or Russ or depends on who you're talking to? It doesn't matter, but most people call me Russ, but Russ, okay. there are Good. several people. Then in I just life. jumped right into it. <laughs> All right. I mentioned that you have a successful newsletter called The Click. So I thought we'd talk about newsletters. Newsletters have been around for ages. I've been putting one out at least for 20 years myself. How have, and I know that you've studied, you know, we are, we are alluding to some of the old timers before we got on the air here. You know, how have you seen newsletters evolve? Because I think they were in the, in sort of phase one of digital marketing, they were kind of a standard tool, but then social media came along and other stuff came along. They fell out of favor. Now they seem to be really back in favor. What do you see happening in the space in general? Well, what I see right now is a return to to email newsletters. They're hot right now. Yeah. And, you know, I think of email as this intersection of content marketing and sort of direct response promotion. Right. Email is still a great place to make and probably the best place to make a direct call to action, which is sort of frowned upon most of the time in social. But Right. When you can take the the email and turn it into content, right? So you're not just continuously pounding your email list with promotions. You can get this sort of best of both worlds where you get that engagement that you get from content marketing, plus the bonus, uh, big bonus of being able to make direct calls to action. Yeah. I mean, I started mine, you know, to share educate, you know, build trust, all those things, but let's face it. It was a way to build an email list. I literally remember people, you know, 20 years ago saying, oh, I got your newsletter. You know, <laughs> I'm so yeah, excited. Yeah. I mean, it was because that was before we got tons and tons of email every day. Right. So in terms of how I mean, I think I look at your newsletter, I subscribe to your newsletter and it is pretty classic format in terms of education. There's not any new crazy technology necessarily that's showcased there, but I know it works. I mean, just looking at some of your statistics, I know it works for you. Before we go into that, you know, LinkedIn has newsletters now, you know, there are people putting newsletters behind paywalls. Do you see those as approaches that will, you know, be with us, you know, for a long time because it's very curated content? Or do you think the kind of the classic approach that you take, you know, is still valid today, obviously? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've, I've looked at moving my newsletter over to things like Substack. Yeah. or moving into LinkedIn and publishing there. Personally, I want to be able to control that technology because I want to be able to do some other things with it. And I'm not afraid to mess around with that technology. But I think the barrier to entry into starting a newsletter because of things like Substack and then the competitor there, Beehive, is also something to look at if you're looking at starting a newsletter. The guy who I believe was in charge of list growth at Marketing Brew or Morning Brew started Beehive. So there's some really great out-of-the-box options there. I like to have more control over over everything. Yeah. So I end up with, you know, sort of that patchwork of tools. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, 
getting into the newsletter business is easier than ever today. Yeah. Yeah. So, so getting subscribers, you know, is one piece of it, but then keeping them because it's worth reading, <laughs> right. Is obviously a huge part of this. What's your editorial strategy? I'm curious. How do you decide? I'm sure you don't wake up on Monday and go, here's what I'm going to write about. Mm. Yeah. Well, so the content marketing side of the editorial strategy, I'm always in all the top of funnel content and, and sort of mid funnel content that I produce, I'm looking to either educate, inspire, or entertain. And I do try to get a little bit, you know, witty inside of there. And I have some editors that do a pretty good job of helping me not tell too many dad jokes in there. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, my goal when I talk to my editors, when I think about my own stuff, is that I want to give you something educational, but I want to do it with a spoonful of sugar. So, yeah. and that's that entertainment sort of don't take yeah. myself too seriously angle. I think we see a lot of that because, you know, I'm competing against other publishers, like say like Digiday or Ad Age or something like that, that are probably a little bit more buttoned up. And so, you know, if you like my style um, and you know, then, you know, you're going to read my stuff and you're going to anticipate my stuff coming into your inbox. So you didn't say it as directly as this, but I mean, I think certainly a best practice would be have a voice of some sort, right? Yes. That is, that's going to either repel people or attract people. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I think a good way to think about this is, you know, an exercise you can do when you're looking for a voice is you can say to yourself, I want to be the blank of blank. Right. right? Yeah, so yeah, you, yeah. if you know what niche that you're in, let's say you're going to be creating a gardening newsletter, you know, you might say, I want to be, I want to be the... I want to be the Howard Seinfeld Bird. of gardening. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld of gardening or whatever of gardening, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and that can help you start to box out what maybe you're looking for from a voice perspective. Yeah. What would Jerry say, right? <laughs> so you threw out the terms top of funnel, middle of the funnel, maybe explain kind of how you differentiate your content based on maybe where somebody is in a potential buying situation. Yeah, well, and, and we were talking about this before you hit record. We were talking about, you know, you know, newsletters are a great way to build trust. They're a great way to to connect with people. You know, you're right there in their inbox and, you know, you do that consistently over time. You're going to build that know, like, and trust. But it's still, you know, making a, a really high ticket offer, like, is tough to do in an email. So I'm, I'm typically looking to get people to engage with my content and then I'm going to ask them to do so. For example, last week I, I ran a, an article and then I said, if you'd like me to shoot you a, a little video to expand on this and show you some examples, click this link and I'll tag you in my system or whatever. And then right. I'll, so then I shot a loom video and I sent that out just to people that, that were tagged and, and, and had asked for it. And then inside that video, you know, I make a call to action, you know, for a service or a product yeah. or a course or whatever that I'm looking to do. But I only want to do that with people that are really engaged, right? Yeah. The strongest parts of my list. It's sort of that whole, you know, don't ask somebody to marry you on the first date type yeah. thing where, you know, we want to kind of build up that know, like, and trust with people over time. You know, and you make a great point because I, I, I think a lot of people, you know, they have the, you just said a high ticket item, let's guess at a price, $9,700, you know, yeah. thing. And the idea that somebody's going to read a newsletter, I mean, they might, if they've been following you for years, they've decided time's right. But the idea that somebody's going to click on a button and buy something like that, you know, it really needs to be much more of a dance to get there, doesn't it? 
For sure. You know, I, whenever I'm talking to anybody in, in my consulting work about what they're selling, I, I try to immediately put it in one of two buckets. I'm look, I'm putting it in. I can close this deal on a web page bucket yeah. or yeah. I put it in the, I got to get this person on the phone bucket. And if it's a phone bucket, which if you're hitting that 10 K mark, that's phone bucket for me. Like you're going to need to get somebody on the phone. There's going to need to be sure. a sales process and so forth. You might be able to close that on online depending, but probably not. And so, you know, those kinds of calls to action are difficult to make in a newsletter. And so what I like to do with that is, you know, you're trying to nurture people towards a phone consultation or, and that takes a lot of touch points. Yeah. 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 Unless you like over promise something you can't actually deliver. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we're wading into monetization. How do you think, actually, let me back up before I ask that question. I want to ask a broader question. Did you, was there a point in time where you said, I'm going to go all in on newsletter. This is, you know, this is how it's going to fit my business model. Or was it, did it start more as, yeah, this is a normal standard digital marketing tactic. Yeah. So I kind of did go all in as, so we are email first, right? So, you know, I like to think when I'm thinking content marketing, I think about where's the genesis of this content going to be. And I, I think podcasts, by the way, are a wonderful place to, to, uh, create original content and that's where it's born. And then you can hand that out to writers, for example, and have them chop that up into pieces and go out to social with it and cut the video up and different things like that. Right. And my newsletter is that for me. So I I produce original content only there in that newsletter. And then that stuff is then chopped up and cut up and put into different places. So the reason I did that is because, you know, I was spending a lot of time thinking, well, how am I going to get this person from social media onto my email list? And how am I going to get this person from listening to this over here and I'm from this YouTube video and from my website. And I said, well, why don't I just start there? You know, like, why don't I just start with them on the email uh, list and focus all the attention there and then I can move them out from there. So, you know, just like you could do with a podcast, just like you could do with a YouTube channel, it's just, you know, where are you producing that original material? And then you can then kind of go do what you want with it from there. And a lot of times you can hire somebody to go do a lot of it from there. So, so again, now, as I alluded to monetization, do you, maybe I'll just let you as, as much as you're comfortable sharing about all the ways you think about monetizing. And I know there are some very direct ways that you do it, but I'd love to hear kind of your theory on that. Well, I like to keep it diversified because, you know, things go up and down. So for example, I sell advertising and it's very easy to sell advertising in the fourth quarter. Because everybody's fleeing Facebook and Google for cheaper clicks elsewhere because of, you know, all the retail, you know, ads are cranking up prices and things like that. Yeah, it does. It, it For me, advertising can be kind of seasonal. So I also sell trainings and courses. I use it to fill my consulting work, right? When, you know, if I need a consulting client, I'm going to, I'm going to start working towards that through, through that list. And so, yeah, it's advertising, it's consulting and some info products like courses and so forth. Yeah. So so if I'm a potential advertiser, I'm guessing top of funnel ads, like list building ads, giveaway, you know, a great resource ebook lead magnet kind of ads are really what work in a newsletter like yours, aren't they? I think it's when I speak to advertisers, I advise them to try to move people from my list onto theirs because people that are reading my newsletter have shown that they use email as a source of information. So 
it's smart for them, in my opinion, to use a lead magnet offer or a webinar offer or something like that can move them into that person's email list because that person is a, an email reader. But we do get a lot of advertisers that know we want to go straight for a free trial or we want to go straight into an offer or something like that. And we'll do that too. But yeah. absolutely love the, and we, we see a great response from people that give out a solid high value lead magnet to my list. You know, one of the first things I outsourced when I started my business, payroll and HR. Well, Gusto's payroll and HR services can make it even easier. Gusto was designed for you, the small business owner. They take the pain out of running a business, automatically calculating paychecks, filling payroll taxes, getting set up for open enrollment. Oh, Gusto does it all. And you want more? Time tracking, health insurance, 401k, onboarding, commuter benefits, offer letters, access to HR experts. You get the idea. With Gusto, you can focus on the joy of running your business. It's super easy to set up and get started. And if you're moving from another provider, Gusto can transfer all your data for you. It's no surprise that 94% of customers are likely to recommend Gusto. 94. But here's the best part. Because you're a listener, you get three months totally free. All you have to do is go to gusto.com slash duct tape. Again, that's gusto.com slash duct tape. I'm telling you, you're going to love Gusto. Get started today. Let's talk about metrics. Again, going back to when I started, I remember... 83, 84% open rates. <laughs> Those <laughs> days don't exist for anybody today. But what are some of the metrics that, that the, not just that you should be tracking, but that show like you're doing things right? Well, so when you start to get involved in buying traffic to get yeah. subscribers, it, it becomes pretty important that you're buying subscribers that are opening because, especially if you're selling ads, because, yeah. you know, think about it like you might be measuring for example your cost per lead and it might be let's say at a satisfactory four dollars per lead but then you're finding that these that you know these leads are only opening at 30 percent well you know the, are they really only four dollar leads when you're only getting three out of ten to open so yeah. it really is important to be watching the quality of the subscribers that you're getting and whether they're opening and it might be worth paying six or eight dollars for a subscriber that will open right and so i do love the idea when you're using when you're running a newsletter of advertising in other newsletters because again that person's shown yeah. the propensity to read newsletters and use yeah. email as a source of information yeah. Yeah. so yeah i mean it's the classic ones open rates click rates cost per lead if you're buying traffic i also look at sort of the virality like how can i take any subscriber that maybe i've bought right at $4 or $6 or whatever, and turn that into 1.5 subscribers, right? So that I can get them to spread sure. the word. Yeah. yeah. And get me. So, you know, and that cuts my, if I can get one, every one person to bring somebody else, then I cuts my lead costs in half. And there's some cool tools out there that can be used to do that. So viral. referral tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Up viral is a cool one that works really well to get people to share and you know using a unique link and then you can kind of reward them with more content things like that do do you let's talk about list building then uh, obviously you know the, the a lot of this a lot of your success a lot of your ability to sell ads a lot of your ability to have reach you know is that you're getting subscribers so do you what's kind of your approach or what approach might you recommend to somebody to, to build a list well so you know when i started out i said 
I want to build a list that advertisers will find attractive, right? Yeah. So I, that's where I kind of, where my brain started. So that comes down to your ad targeting that yeah. you're going to use when you buy traffic. So I was looking to build a list of people that are doing marketing work for other people. So they're either agency workers or freelancers, right? Because software companies and service companies oftentimes find these people very valuable. Yeah. A software company, especially where they can roll, if they can get an agency to adopt their tool and roll it to all their clients, that's a big client for them. So we set out to build that list and that's who's on this list, right? So, yeah. and it all comes down to your targeting and it, that, that, that particular subscriber might cost you more. You might be able to go find other people that would want to read the same content for cheaper, but yeah. is that what your advertisers want? And I think if you're going to sell advertising, you need to be thinking about building a valuable list, not just any old list. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Well, and also if, you know, the diversification you want to sell to that list, they should be people that are obviously interested in what you're selling. So, so you do recommend buying subscribers, so to speak, or buying at least traffic that you hope to turn into subscribers? Yeah. I mean, if you want to advertise, I think you need to hit that 10 K subscriber mark before they start getting interested. You got to remember that you're dealing with advertisers that could just go into Facebook and, and access a limitless, yeah. nearly limitless yeah. group of people. So there's an unlimited scale, in other words, inside these other platforms. And so you got to have at least some scale in order for them to take a look. So I, I do like the idea if you've got your advertising packages in place and you're able to do it, but I don't recommend that you start there, right? So with advertising, your monetization model, I would encourage people to, especially if you're just getting started to, to sell services or information products until you can get to that, you know, cause you're going to want to, unless you're funded and you've got a giant yeah dumpster of cash that you want to burn, you're probably going to need to be ROIing if you're buying traffic, you need to be ROIing it a little bit faster, yeah. you know? And so you can't just sit here and build up until you hit 10 K and then start selling advertising. So I would recommend you sell either e even physical products, yeah. but physical products or info products or services until you hit that 10 K mark. And then you can add that, start adding in that advertising revenue. So over the years, I, I actually, sell sponsorships. It's just kind of a package with our podcast and things like that. But I've always felt like, well, now I have a personal relationship with my subscribers. Uh -huh. You know, they really see it as me. And a lot of that is on the trust that I don't try to shove stupid stuff down their throat. So do you sometimes find yourself really having to, you know, there we've turned away sponsors because we're like, no. <laughs> and I yep. mean, they're obvious ones, but even sometimes where we just don't feel like that's a very good tool or a very good resource, yep. we'll say no. So do, do you feel like you have a different relationship as an advertiser because of the relationship with your readers? Well, I turn people down all the time and it's because it's just, you know, I'm the end decision maker on all right. that. So I can, but I can see how larger publications must have a battle between editorial and, yeah, and yeah. monetization, right? Because yeah. you do get people that want to just put your stuff in front and you don't, and you, you could just take their money and put it in front of people. But I know that's not the good long-term strategy for my business is not to just shove yeah. things on their throat. And I can always, if I don't have an ad to run that I like, I, I just run my own stuff. Uh, you know, this is sponsored mm -hmm. by this course or this, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever, this event that I'm going to or whatever, right? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I'm going to end on 
the question that you know we could have spent the whole time talking about um, <laughs> but i've been throwing this into pretty much uh, any conversation especially about content but ai how has that impacted your you know your thoughts about you know producing content well you know obviously things are shifting daily with this so check the date on this podcast because uh, <laughs> right. you know you know it depends but like what I'm seeing now is every tool that I use is getting is is overlaying on top of chat GPT. And so I am using AI every day. No. The way I use it for content creation is typically for things that would have maybe taken me a half hour. For example, I was, I won't go into why, but I was, I needed to be, have the details of Dwight Eisenhower's career for a little article I was writing. And I just, I popped it into chat GPT. I was like, you know, give me a bulleted list of Dwight Eisenhower's and, and it was like done. Right. And I, right, right. because it wasn't, you know, completely crucial that was even correct. A hundred percent. I just popped it in there. Right. I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I didn't even check the information. It all looked pretty right. So I popped it in there. And if somebody would have come back and said, actually, he didn't start the highway program or something, he did this, I would have been like, well, that wasn't really the point of the article. But yeah, 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 yeah. I'm using it for stuff like that. I do come down on the side right now that if you are creating, if you're not creating content that's better than what ChatGPT can put out, you shouldn't be creating content. Like you're probably <laughs> not getting any traction anyway. It, it does lack voice now. I mean, you can get some pretty incredible stuff out of it, but still, in fact, at the top of my newsletter, uh, what I've been doing just to be sort of cheeky is like today, I, I just finished it up and I said, this newsletter was written by a human with real arms and legs and everything, you know, and I, I do see a, a world where it's going to have value for you to state that you've chosen to, to continue to write or produce your content yourself. I think there'll be other places where people are going to be tolerant of yeah. what, uh, I don't care if that's a bot that wrote that or a person, but other places where we are going to find a lot of value in the fact that someone is writing, this is a real human and uh, with experiences and memories and thoughts and all those things. Yeah. Well, I, I've definitely am telling people that if you, you can't ignore it or, no. or you won't be able to compete, but it, we're definitely a long way. I, in fact, I don't even think it's artificial intelligence. I've been kind of jokingly switching it around and calling it IA. It's informed automation is what I really think it is. And just as your example, I mean, imagine if you were trying to come up with a killer headline and you had three or four people sitting around and you all brainstormed it. Well, that's a way that I use, you know, chat GPT is it's like, yeah. make this headline better. Give me 10 ideas. And it's like, there might be one word that I go, yes, <laughs> that's the word. Exactly. But, you know, that's really how I use it almost as a research assistant. Yeah, I mean it's open on my desktop right now, and I will. Yeah, yeah I, I can't see myself going away from using it anytime soon. It's here to stay, so it can't be ignored. But you know, you know, you and I have both been doing this a long time, so we've seen people try to take things like this and look for a shortcut. Build, you know, maybe I'm sure there's people building giant, you know, content-filled websites with AI content in them, and. I've been doing it long enough to know that in the long run, it's not going to be a sustainable business model. Well, and what I love is the make seven figures as an AI consultant courses that are being sold right now too. Yeah, they're <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> but such is life, right? 
Well, Russ, thanks so much for dropping by and kind of sharing some of your knowledge on the newsletter, The Click. We'll have uh, how to subscribe in the show notes, but uh, certainly any anywhere you want to invite people to connect with you. Well, yeah, just come over to the newsletter, The Click, C-L-I-K-K.com and subscribe and say hello. You can always reply because I read all the replies to, to my emails. And then if you want to connect with me on social media, I'm Russ Henneberry on LinkedIn. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for taking a moment out of your day to share with our listeners, and hopefully we'll run into you one of these days out there on the road. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.